0: Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The Band of Brothers is the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church. The we are on right now is winning at work and home. We are being led by Pastor Greg Mott, Jason Swigert, Eric Reed, Ben Pritchett, and several other ministers from the church. We're glad you're joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day. All right, this morning, uh, we're going to hear from uh, the amazingly talented Jason Swigert. He's going to be our, uh, our speaker for the day. So we are going to spend some time right now uh, praying for him and for our time together, and then we're going to get underway, and I'm going to put the mic down, all right? So if you would, just bow your head with me real quick here. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this day. Uh, Thank you, God, for being more powerful uh, than any storm or anything in life uh, that comes our way, God. Um, I ask, Father, that you'd bless this time that we are here uh, this morning and that you would speak to our hearts and just penetrate right to the core of who we are as men, uh, that you would speak to us uh, about about women is what we're talking about today, Lord. And uh, you understand women very well, God. Uh, sometimes it's easier for us to solve a Rubik's Cube than it is to figure out a woman. And so I just pray, God, that you just open our eyes to what we need to know about the women that are important in our lives. Uh, I pray that you would speak mightily through Jason, that you'd bless his words, and that you'd help us all to, to stay awake, not because Jason's a boring speaker, but because... Um, It's it's an early hour, God, and so I just pray that you'd be with us and that you'd bless this time, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Morning,
1: guys. How are you? You sure? How are you? Good. How many of y'all get up this early at 5 or 5.30 every day? Anybody? Most of y'all. Y'all are authentic men. That's good. I know these guys who talk about, ah, I had to get up at 6.30 today. I'm like, get a life. So... Glad you're here today, and um, we are going to um, do a little review of last week, uh, or not last week, several weeks ago now. How has it been? Three weeks? Two weeks? Okay. Since Pastor Greg was here, and since uh, you started, and then we'll move in, move in today. Hurricane Ike. Man, we got Iked. Uh, I, I, this is a new thing for me. I've been in Houston 20 years, but we never had one that actually kind of came and hit. And when Rita came through, I was an authentic man. I was away for four weeks on my sabbatical, And so my wife did the whole evacuation with the kids, took all the pictures down, all that kind of stuff. And when I came by, by the time I came back, every, all the pictures were back, and all the, all the debris was gone, and I was like, "Well what was the big deal?" So this time I got to have a little experience. I boarded up my front door. Has some glass in it, it kind of wiggles sometimes, and so um, I called Mark Bradley, who's back there. He's one of my neighbors, and he know he's an authentic man. He knows everything. Page goes, call Mark, call Mark, call Mark. So I called Mark, and um, so he told me how to board up my my door, and and uh, and I did. I wanted to put Yikes Ike on it, but I didn't. I thought that was a little cheesy, so I just put the board, and it protected us, and I felt like a man. So, and then I couldn't get one of the screws out, so I had to call Mark and say, How do I get the screw out? <laughs> Serious, okay, never mind, y'all wake up. Um, uh, you know, what we're going to talk about, and what, for the next several weeks, or the whole, our whole time together, really um, has so much semblance of a hurricane, really, marriage, um, or relationships, and so, if you remember the week of the hurricane coming, um, it was pretty nice, even the day the hurricane came, came I kept seeing uh, Travis, and then our neighbor is David Paul on channel 11, I'm not pushing him, but, um, and then channel 2, we watch all of them, but, um, but they were saying, you know, the winds are coming, it's just, it's out in the Gulf, it's 500 miles, whatever, and it was like, this is a beautiful day. I mean, it was incredible. And so my kids were out playing, we're like, why did they cancel school? And then all of a sudden, it hit. And I think so many times that's how our relationships, especially marriage relationships, are at home, because everything seems to be going well. We're kind of on this, uh, there, there's something brewing out there we're not even aware of, because our surroundings are just sunny, you know, humidity might be low, and... Uh, there's a cool breeze, and um, which means you. Um, that was another joke. Um, man, y'all are difficult. You know, no wonder Beth Moore does so well. The girls are just so relational. They're just listen and laugh. Um, anyway, and then all of a sudden, it 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 you're in this huge storm, and you kind of go, "Where did that that come from?" And some people um, look at the signs and prepare, and then some people don't. And as it passes, we're we're kind of confused by that, almost dumbfounded, like, "How did?" Why did my tree fall down in my yard? I didn't you know I heard it was coming, but um I didn't prepare and then just the question who has power? we got power Sunday finally, and um I think what we're gonna be about for the next several weeks is really um reigniting and reconnecting to the power source that we need um in Christ um and the Holy Spirit for our marriage relationship in particular to win at 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 home and so that's that's what I'm talking about the next three weeks. Um, is the marriage aspect. And so if you're not married, if you're, um, if you're single, that's great. Take great notes because you are going to be much more an authentic man and ready to go than some of the guys are even in their marriage relationship as they've been married for several years, okay? So let's kind of let's jump in and we'll, we'll get going. Um, I want to tell you a story about a guy um, who was driving through Mississippi and um, he was driving along a road and he saw a sign that said, Talking Dog for Sale. And so he, he passed it and he thought, that's interesting. So he turned around and there was a, there was a man there and with a the sign in the yard. And he said, I, I see this sign. Do you really have a talking dog? So he said, I do. It's in the back. And he said, well, come, I want to see it. So they walked to the back and, and he goes up to this dog. And um, he, um, he, starts, he starts talking. He says, can you talk? And so the dog looks up and he says, well, as a matter of fact, I can. And so the man says, that's amazing. And the dog said, yeah, when I was a puppy, I realized I could talk. And when my master found out, he called the CIA. And the CIA came and got me, and they took me away and used me for undercover surveillance because at the time they didn't have electronic espionage, and I did that for a long time. As I got older, I got kind of burned out, and so they moved me to the Air Force for drug coverage. I did that for a while, and then I retired and and married the dog of my dreams. Uh, We had uh, puppies together, and I finally retired, and now I'm here on the farm. So the guy kicks back, and he says, unbelievable. He ran around to the farmer and said, how much do you want for the talking dog? And the farmer said, $10. And the guy said, $10? Why so cheap? And the farmer said, because the dog's a liar. He never did any of that stuff. <laughs> Pastor Greg talked uh, last week or two weeks ago, your first um, first meeting, and um, he he didn't lie about anything. He told you all the absolute truth um, as he had the mirrors and as you talked about some things. And so we're going to look back at those if you if this is your first week we can kind of walk through those um but kind of reiterate kind of what we started two weeks ago so we can even so we can even move forward. So let me pray um again and then we'll we'll move we'll move forward in that okay? Uh, Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord thank you for um the gift of um of family and of work and Lord both of those sometimes I think we we even announce and proclaim as curses. But Lord they are good gifts from you and so thank you that we have those. Lord, thanks for our time together this morning, and I pray that you would bless it. Lord, would you please show up and be the power source from which we plug into, not uh, more achievement or more ego, um, Lord, or more um, stuff around us, Lord, but from Jesus. And so would you reveal yourself to us today? In your name I pray, amen. Okay, three things we're going to talk about. Probably the most important one is the paradox principle is the key to success at work and home. And that was from last week. The, the, the paradox principle is the key to success at work and home. And do you remember what the what that process was, the paradox process principle? Anybody? You have it in right there in front of you. Die to live. Anybody got that? Okay. Maybe Greg did lie, just kidding. Um die, die to live. Okay, um, and that's where you humble yourself to learn something new outside of yourself because you really do not get it in this life. Okay, but you finally figure it out what you need to do, and then you die to yourself a little bit. Okay, by dying to yourself a little bit, it delivers back to you more life. Okay, there's uh, Saint Francis of Assisi says it's in dying uh, that, our, or if it's in giving that we receive. It's that kind of thing. If we die to self, we become a little bit less selfish. Um, do something. Um, to die to ourselves, then we receive life from that, it's it's a, it's a paradox, um, and because of that, we talked about the, the uninitiated man hears that, and all he hears is the word die, okay, he hears the negative part, the die, um, and he resists the principle because he thinks manhood, real manhood is getting your way, Okay, I had a little experience of that last night, and I'll tell you that in a few minutes, it's a little better, better fit of a bad illustration, um, but we hear that, we, we think sometimes that that um, being an authentic man and a real man is is pushing to get our way, and then when we've got our way, we've we've done it, okay? Um, so we don't like that, that die part, but we discover over time that it brings us a lot of pain, um, if you're real honest about it. On the other hand, um, the last session we talked about the initiated man, the man who finally gets it and understands this principle is the man who's learned that death to self is a small price to pay for the life and the success that the temporary death pays back to him. Let me read that again. Um, it's a man who has learned that death to self is a small price to pay for the life and the success that the temporary death pays back to him. That's why when an initiated man hears die to live, he hears the word live. Okay, um, So die to live. It's a great it's a great principle, and I think it's a great thing to model, and it goes against everything in society and what society says that manhood and marriage and relationships is about. Okay, the second reminder is beware of the great nullifier. Beware of the great nullifier. Okay, uh, last uh, time y'all met, I think Greg had two mirrors, and we have a we have a mirror for work, and we have a mirror for home, and we can go look in the mirror at work, and we can it can say we can say mirror mirror on the wall, how am I doing, you know, in my masculinity today, or at work, or whatever, and, he, and the answer is back, and it says you are doing a great job. You are you are it. Did y'all say that? I know Elliot's does. Um, and then we go to the one at home, and we ask, mirror, mirror on the wall, how am I doing in my marriage? And it says, you know, the big L, you, you are the loser today. Um, or maybe not that bad, but maybe you're not doing quite as bad. Which one do we listen to? Second one. It doesn't matter. You can go to the work, and it can, say no, it can say you're doing a bad job, and marriage is good, but it's the, the great nullifier. It's the one that says you're not winning that we listen to. And that's the one that, that, we, that we, um, we integrate into our lives. Um, and so uh, the thing that happens then is the pain and the failure of the one will always nullify the joy and the satisfaction of the other. Uh, the pain and, um, and failure of the one will always nullify the joy of the satisfaction of the other. Um, I don't know if y'all feel like that. That's this is what I was referring to a while ago. Last night I had a great day. Had a great day or well, pretty great day. It was pretty wild. Um, but it was a good day. It felt like I got a lot accomplished and um then my son, my oldest son, Chambers, I have three boys, he's eighth grade, and um he had a game last night and football game and um so I went and watched him, he did great. Um and they whooped him and so that was really fun and um I stepped out of my comfort zone. I videoed the game for the coach and so I'll probably get a call today that I didn't do it right. I did miss the whole first run back of the kickoff that was a touchdown, but other than that, I got everything, (laughs) and me going, go, James, go, go, go. Um, But anyway, so I got home last night, and it was very late. We have three boys. Harrison is uh, our middle. He's 11, and then Preston is our youngest. He's 8, and so we went to Waterburger on the way home because it was late, so at 9, about 9.15, I'm still sitting at Waterburger because the whole west side of Houston is at Waterburger. so we finally get our stuff, we go, and we make a plan, you know, Preston's going to eat, he's still got a project to do, he should have been at bed at 7.30, so um, he was going to get in the shower and do his project. All of that fell apart when I got home. I mean, every boundary was pushed. Jimmy has three boys, so he knows this. And so I did what every wonderful Christian godly man do. I totally lost it. I was so frustrated. And so, you know, basically, everybody's mad at me, and they're all mad at each other, and... and um. And it was this exact thing. It was like, no matter how good the day was of work and home, um, that, so when I sat in bed last night and looked and said, okay, Lord, or reflect on the day, that's what, that's what stung me. That, that's what I'll remember about tomorrow is that dad was a real jerk right before everybody went to bed, which was supposed to be a sweet time, and that nullified everything. So I woke up today with a huge guilt on me and feeling bad and I'm okay. I got over it. So, um, you had the great nullifier. The third thing is true happiness for a man is winning in both, okay, at work and home. One of the two won't do. Um, and so we always need to remember that, that um, for every man you must win at both. And that's, I think that's God's plan for us. You go back to the story of Genesis, and it sets, that, sets the pace for that. Because God gave uh, Adam three assignments in Genesis. He told him he had a work to do. Um, and so Adam had a mirror of work every day to look in. He had a work to do. The second thing is he had a woman to love. Her name was Eve. And so he had his mirror of home as well. And God didn't say, do one of those well and do one of them you know, without me. He said, do both of them, walk with me on both of them, and they should both be good. And then the third thing is that he told him he had a will to obey. And it was God's will. It wasn't his own will. And even in Genesis, it can be simmered down to this phrase. It was die to live. Okay, it was to do God's will, to love his wife, and to and to and to work well. God's will was to die, die to live. True happiness in masculinity is is to succeed well, not perfectly, but well at work and at home. Um, God, I think we in our society we we think that God exists to help us do life better. Okay. That's not why God exists. That's not why God created us. God created us, and he wants us not to do life better. He wants us to do life more fully as he intended it, and that means walking with him, which means winning no matter what we're doing. And so instead of just God being uh, uh, either a coping mechanism or some some kind of self-help thing to make my life better, it's really for us to glorify him by winning at work and at home. So um, those are the reminders of the first session, so a little, little synopsis of that, and so let's move in to, um, to, to today's, okay? Um, we're going to look at a, the turn our attention to the mysterious world of women, and it, uh, it is pretty mysterious, um, and sometimes it seems to get more mysterious um, more often than, than you think. In the musical My Fair Lady, it's an older musical. Some of you guys that are younger are like, I don't know who. What that is, but it's a it's a musical from the sixties, um, and a guy named Rex Harrison was in it, and he was taking a uh, a, a beggar and um, turning her to into a lady, and he was basically they were proving that an environment can change and mold a person to, to ultimately what they can become. So anyway, that's just a little background. But he's got a friend named Pickering, his butler, and he has this interchange with him, and he sings. I'm not going to sing it, I don't think, but um, and he, he sings a song. But these are the words. He says, would you be slighted if I didn't speak to you for hours? He's talking comparing to Pickering to a woman. Would you be livid if I had a drink or two? Would you be wounded if I never sent you flowers? And Pickering says, of course not. Then Harrison says, then why can't a woman be like you? If I were uh, late, if I were hours late for dinner, would you bellow? If I forgot your silly birthday, would you fuss? Would you complain? If I never, if I took out another fellow and Pickering said never, said then why can't a woman be like us? Um, I, I don't know. Sometimes if y'all feel that way, but men I think have have uh, long time been frustrated when they enter, enter kind of that mysterious world of women of trying trying to understand them, and um, just when I think I've got it down then the new thing happened. So I've been married 17 years. This next year, it's incredible. But I can really, really relate to that in, in a lot of ways. So look at your outline, and we're going to start moving through it. The first thing is that immature men assume women see life as they, as they do. Immature men assume women see life the way they do. Okay, Common masculine mistake, but it is a, is a major mistake. Robert Lewis tells us a pretty hilarious story, um, the guy that wrote this um, of his first Christmas with his wife. I think they've been married thirty three years now, but he says the first christmas he he uh they took all this time to get the most special Christmas gift, and so he, uh, his wife comes out, and they've set this mood, and we're going to exchange gifts with each other, and and she hands it to him, and he opens it, and it's fishing gear. He's a big outdoorsman in Arkansas, and so he's just in heaven. It's like she knows me and understands me. Get this fishing gear. So he hands her an envelope, and after she had hit a home run with him, hands an envelope, and he's so excited. He's going to watch her open it, and he's put so much time and thought into it, and she opens it, and it, it's, a, it's a year membership to a health club. And she, to, he says she totally loses it, and he can't ends up this big fight, and he can't understand why. He loves to work out. That would be something fun they could do together, and she's totally insulted that he would give her, uh, you know, something to the fat farm, basically, or something to go work out, because she doesn't look good, obviously, or he wouldn't be giving her health club membership. Um, and so women... Think different. We, we uh, immature women men, assume women, see life like, like we do. Um, and, and sometimes we, we still don't get that, okay? Second thing is real men, the kind who do get it, know that women do not see life the way they do, it, they do at work, and you can align the word work, at recognizing and appreciating the differences. Real men know women don't and work at recognizing and appreciating the differences. Um, this is not only the conclusion of marriage counselors and social scientists everywhere in the world, but also the wisdom that's been around for hundreds and hundreds of, of years. Uh, let's look at uh, scripture kind of from the Dr. Phil of the first century. and It's, it's uh, First Peter. And so if you want to turn there, um, kind of this is our Bible study part of our time this morning, but it's a great verse, I think, especially to build off of, and um, it, it's up on the screens as well. But it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate um, as you live with your wives and treat them, I'm reading out of NIV, and that's not what's up there, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you as the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Um, Let me read, um, read it from up there again. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way as with a weaker vessel since she is a woman and grant her honor as an equal partner in the grace of life. Okay? Understanding way. Um, since, since, she, um, since she is a woman. That's an amazing statement for 2,000 years ago, um, and, and let's look at it for just a second. First, Peter's encouraging guys to get out, outside themselves um, and, uh, if you're going to, to live with a woman, so it's kind of dying to yourself again. So if you guys, if you're in a dating relationship, this still applies, applies to you, okay? Or if you're married, it applies. An understanding way is the key, that phrase, live with her in an understanding way. In other words, don't assume anything naturally. Don't assume anything naturally. And why? Because she's a woman and she's not a man. Okay, she doesn't think like you. She thinks different. She feels different. She acts different. Her world is different. Look at this slide with me, and this shows me shows you a little bit. It is a comparison of going to the Gap to buy a pair of jeans between a male and a female. Okay, they both enter the mall to the same place. If you notice, the woman is the red, and she goes into every single store before she finally gets to the arrow, and she's at the gap, okay? The guy, he walks in and goes to the gap, okay? That's how, that's how we shop. Most of us don't go shop for the whole day. We, I, I don't call Jimmy Glotfeld and go, hey, Jimmy, we go shopping today? Um, you know, and then we go to the food court, and we go by and look at the cute things. We, I might say, hey, you want to go to Sports Authority? I've got to get a helmet. I mean, and then we go get it, and we might look around something in there, but... It's a little bit different. So uh, it says that women, the, fem- the time for females is three hours twenty six minutes. It costs eight hundred and seventy six dollars. The male is six minutes and it costs thirty three dollars. Okay. We think differently in the way the way we do things, um, and that's a great thing. It's not. It shouldn't be a frustrating thing. It's a great thing. So we're going to need all the outside helpful understanding we can amass if we're going to win. Uh, when at home and be successful in that realm uh, your wife or your girlfriend's a woman and you need to live with her according to and, and in an understanding way just as peter says secondly look at look at the verse again it says beware of taking advantage of her um and it, we can go can we go back sorry eric can we go back to the verse sorry buddy there we go thanks mark um there you go. Well, it doesn't it doesn't say that overtly, but it but it says um, that she is the the weaker vessel. Okay, and that is not a bad thing. That doesn't mean that um, she's any less. That women are unqualified. Um, that they are um, measly and uh, anything like that. Um, it just means that that physically um, raw power. Um, never makes a, a man. I mean, it never makes, makes a woman and never makes a man either. Um, but we're to be understanding and understand that women um, are not to be dominated or intimidated, but they're to be loved and led because they, um, God created that relationship um, to be that way. Okay? So here's two timely kind of insights. When it comes to a woman, what you don't know will always hurt you. What you don't know will always hurt you. Um, Paige and I, we were married, we've been married 17 years. I've been at first this November for 13 years. Ten of those years we um, we taught in the newlywed class, and it was love, love doing it. Um, and I was a better husband when I taught in the newlywed class because I was speaking and learning and studying marriage and relationship all the time. Since then, we've gone <laughs> bad, counseling, everything, and we're, we're, you know, we're into it. So, what you don't know will always hurts you. Be a student of your wife and be a student of how um, God has created her. Second thing, when it comes to a woman, men get down on what they are not up on. Men get down on what they are not up on. Some of the brightest, smartest, most talented men of the world have struck out in life because they refuse to heed that wisdom. Okay, you, you, Men get down on what they are not up on. It's kind of this, this student thing. Let me read you um this uh This true story about this couple, let me give you an example. It's an extreme example to make a point. It's from the life of a young man named Robert Howard. In many ways, Robert was a man who had it all. Some of you have maybe heard his name before, but he was a great athlete, a two time all American at the University of Arkansas. He was a two time Olympic track star in the triple jump. He had a great mind. He was about to finish med school. He was married to a bright, intelligent young woman by the name of Robin, who was in medical school at that time and in residency. In fact, she was doing a chief residency in neurosurgery. You'd assume if you brought these two people together, Robert and Olympian and Robin, this great resident in neurosurgery and graduate of Harvard University, that with all that talent and all that success and all those brains, that Robert and Robin's relationship would naturally come off as successfully as their lives individually. You would assume that, and that's the key word. Because um, I think they assumed it too, and that was their mistake assuming anything with opposite sex opposite sex can be costly to you imagine the shock when one saturday morning the police found robert on the 10th floor of the medical school about to jump to his death which he did imagine the shock when they went to robert and robin's home to inform robin of robert's death and they found robert stabbed to death by robert robin stabbed to death by robert before he killed himself and that is what they found the note they found said i'm sorry robin i did not respect your independence I'm a man in fear of losing things. I miss you loving me, being excited about me. Why can't we love each other the way we both deserve to be loved? Great question. How do you answer that question about two unbelievably talented lives have been wasted? Here's the way I would have answered it. Robert, you could have loved her the way she deserved to be loved if you would have loved her within, in an understanding way, but instead you proved the principle that men get down on what they are not up on. Everybody understand that? You have to understand um, your woman and how God created her, and what she needs, um, and how to love her, and then lead her in an understanding way. So let's take a hard turn from there, and let's get let's get up on women for a minute, and let's do a little education. Okay, here's some things, and you can fill these in your notebook. The first thing you need to know about women is you need to know there there's a gender difference. Okay, if you haven't noticed, there is. Women are very different, and they're wired differently. As much as the feminist movement would like to say. That they um, are equal and they are just can capable and they are very capable. We're still we're still very different. Um, I got an email um, not too long ago and it says everything has a gender and you may not uh, you may not know this, uh, but many non living things have a gender as well. Ziploc bags are male because they hold everything in, but you can see right through them. Copiers are female because once turned off, it takes a while to warm them up again. They are effective, reproductive devices if the right buttons are pushed, but can wreak havoc if the wrong buttons buttons are pushed. <laughs> a tire is male because it sometimes goes bald and it can easily become overinflated. <laughs> a water faucet is female because it can turn hot and cold in just a matter of moments. A safety pin is male because it's often useful in emergency. A foreign movie is female because it is not always completely understood. A Hot air balloon, guess which one that one is. Male, because uh, to get it to go anywhere, you have to light a fire under it, and of course, there's the hot air part. Sponges are female because they're soft, squeezable, and retain water. Matches are male because scratching is important to them. (laughs) A web page is female because it's always getting hit on. Subway is male because it uses the same old lines to pick up women. An hourglass is female because over time, the weight shifts to the bottom. A hammer is male because it hasn't changed much over the last 5,000 years, but it's handy to have around. And a remote control is female. Ha! You thought it'd be male, didn't you? But consider this. It gives a man pleasure. He'd be lost without it. And while he doesn't always know the right buttons to push, he keeps on trying. <laughs> male and female, we are, we are different. In fact, as a genetic level, neurobiologists claim that there are over 100 million differences between male, male and female. 100 billion, or million um, we mature differently. Girls at the age of 17 function at the level of a mature adult. Boys at the age of 17, well, besides giving themselves wedgies and watching Dumb and Dumber, um, they're thinking about our sl- uh, 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 they're not. That's what they're thinking about. Our slant on life is different. Men are action-oriented, okay? So when you come in, that's what you're seeing in these videos of motocross this morning and extreme sports. You're not watching um, like the Love Channel where two people are getting married or someone's having a baby, Okay. Um, we're action-oriented. Women, they're relationship-oriented, um, and, and so that's, that's a difference. This comes out in, in all different ways. Last night at um football game for my son, all the moms, uh, you know, all the dads are cheering, hit them harder, don't let them go, kill them, you know, it's all those things. It's don't let them up, um, take them down, and the women are saying, good job, good effort, you know, I'm proud of you, you can do it. And so, uh, all the, you know. Sometimes you'll see the wives nudge your page, like you're going to hurt their feelings. You know, they hear you. It's like it's not about hurting their feelings. We're trying to encourage them in the, in the manly and godly way, um, as as our women, our wives are are nurturing them. So, our, our we do this because we're different. Our brains are different. Um, women's brains operate more holistically, and we have two hemispheres of the brain. And women's brains operate more globally, with both both hemispheres working together. Um, it's almost like a high-speed computer. Um, they work that fast. Um, and that's why women's brains are able to take in so many more things than ours. Um, men's brains operate more specifically in one hemisphere and then jump to the jump to the other one. I have this great visual. I could not find it, but it has all the hemispheres of men. It's hilarious versus a woman. But anyway, you can kind of think on that. But I do have another picture of a brain more like a computer. This is it. There's an on and off button for a man. And for a woman, there's all these other... Other buttons um, that that are constantly that they can they can go to and um, at any second can uh, can can jump around. It moves back and forth because of that. Men can focus on um, one one focus on one thing real intently. Um, There's a great book called um, uh, "Women Are Like Waffles and Men Are Like I mean I'm sorry Men are Men are Waffles and Women are Spaghetti." And the whole thing is how. Um, how men and women think, because that's how we're compartmentalized, like a little waffle. You know, it has the little sections. And so we we were in one section, then we go to another section. My wife calls it drawers. You're in your, you know, work drawer, or you're in your eating drawer or whatever, Um, which I'm in that a whole lot. Um, And women are like spaghetti. It's tangled. Everything is intertwined. You know, they can go from this point A to point Z, but they go through, you know, five alphabets to get there, and that totally makes sense sense to them. I tell you this because women's brains are like radar. They're constantly surveying the landscape and picking up every item. Men's brains are more like a laser beam. We get intense and we focus, um, and that's why, you know, when you're watching TV or you're doing something and your kid or your wife asks, yes, yes, and then you have no clue what they asked you or what you promised. Um, <laughs> Uh, that's also why when it comes to something as intimate as, as lovemaking, a wife can be with you and enjoying you sexually, but her radar's up. And so all of a sudden, she's thinking, did I, put little, did I make t- little Timmy's lunch? You know, Are the kids asleep? Is the door locked? What's the noise in the backyard? Is that our dog barking? Um, she can do all those and s- still maintain the integrity of the moment um, at the most inopportune time. She can say to her husband, honey, did you hear that? Um, and that's, that's radar. Um, She's asking that of the laser beam man who at that moment has shut out every reality in the university except one. And I'll, you can figure that out. So <laughs> men and women speak differently as well. Um, I've, got a, I've got another little thing. When, when, uh, when your wife says you know, things are fine, it's fine. Uh, This is a word we use at the end of any argument that we feel we are right about but need to shut you up. Actually, this is what we say. Never use fine to describe how a woman looks. That will cause you to have one of those arguments. Five minutes. This is a half an hour. It's equivalent to the five minutes that your football game is going to last before you take out the trash. So I feel like it's even trade. The word nothing. Nothing. This means something, and you should be on your toes. Nothing is usually used to describe the feeling a woman has of wanting to turn you inside out, upside down, and backwards. Nothing usually signifies an argument that will last five minutes and end with the word fine. <laughs> Go ahead with raised eyebrows. This is a dare, one that will result in a woman getting upset over nothing and will end it with the word fine. Go ahead, normal eyebrows. This means I give up, or do you want to... Uh, do you want? Do you do what you want to? Because I don't care. You will get a raised eyebrow, eyebrow. Go ahead. If, if in just a few minutes, followed by nothing and fine, and she will talk to you in about five minutes when she cools off. Loud sigh. <sighs> you know that one. This is not actually a word, but it's still often a verbal statement, very misunderstood by men. A loud sigh means she thinks you're an idiot, and at that moment, and wonders why she's wasting her time standing here and arguing with her over nothing. Soft sigh. Again, not a word, but a verbal statement. Soft sighs are the ones of the few things that some men actually understand. She is content. Your best bet is not to move or breathe, and she will stay content. (laughs) Oh, this word followed by any statement is trouble. For example, oh, let me get that. Or, oh, I talked to him about uh, what you were doing last night. If she says, oh, before a statement, run, do not walk to the nearest exit. She will tell you that she is fine when she is done tossing your clothes out the window, but do not expect her to talk to you for at least two days. Oh, as uh, as the lead to a sentence usually signifies that you're caught in a lie. Do not try to lie. Do not try to lie more to get out of it, or you will get raised eyebrows. Go ahead, followed by acts of unspeakable that I can't bring myself to write down. That's okay. This is one of the most dangerous statements that a woman can say to a man. That's okay means that she wants to think long and hard before paying your retributions for whatever it is that you've done. That's okay is often used with the word fine and used in conjunction with raised eyebrows. Go ahead. At some point in the near future, when she has plotted and planned, you are going to be in some mighty big trouble. Please do. This is not a statement. It is an offer. A woman is giving you the chance to come up with whatever excuse or reason you have for doing whatever it is that you've done. You have a fair chance to tell the truth, so be careful, and, and you shouldn't get get a that's okay. Thanks. A woman is thanking you. Do not faint. Just say you're welcome. Thanks a lot. This is much different than thanks. A woman says thanks a lot when she's really ticked off at you. It signifies that you have heard her in some callous way and will be followed by the loud sigh. Be careful not to ask what is wrong after the loud sigh. As she will only tell you nothing. Okay. Sometimes a to- total different uh, vocabulary that we have that we use. Um, and so one thing, though, that, that you say to each other that you understand and you mean um, is that I love you and I'll never leave you, and uh, those things mean mean the same. A second one is what he call what we call com- conversational companionship, conversational companionship. After the general gender difference, I say a woman wants um, this kind of conversation that builds relationship, uh, companionship, and connection between your life, um, so she can feel that she is current with your world and current and you're current with her world. Okay, um, there's three things that that someone told me. Years ago, and Paige and I try to practice these, and we talk about them a lot, and they're called the three Ds, and these aren't in your in your uh, notebook there, but I think they're great to write down, and many of you have heard these before, um, and, and they're these things. Dialogue daily. Dialogue daily. Date weekly. And depart monthly. Dialogue daily. Date weekly. And depart monthly. This is what that looks like. Every day you have some conversation with your wife or uh, the relationship that you have if you're in a dating relationship, you you sit down and you have some kind of meaningful conversation. Okay, you you get up to speed and you connect on your day. Um, that doesn't that means without the TV on. That means without opening the mail. I have this mail addiction. Um, when I go home, I like to go get the mail. It's going to be junk and bills. That's and going to be depressing anyway. But I always do it, and then I want to look at it. And so the kids are running wild. They're wanting my attention. Paige is trying to cook dinner, and I'm. Looking at you know whatever how many credit card applications I got in the mail that day. Um, and so but but to sit down and really connect if you have kids, that means that you know what you, you don't you don't try to talk with your kids around you let them know that that's the important relationship is, is your marriage not they're important too, but also um, that they need to see that modeled of how to converse with each other and that's that conversational um, companionship that he's talking about. Second thing is date weekly. Paige and I go, we try to date, go on a date every week. Thursday night is our date night, Um, and so there's different times, the seasons of the year that that's really hard. Baseball season's hard to have a date night regularly, but we try to do something each week where we go out. It might be go, walk around the block, and that's a date, but tonight we're going to go somewhere nice because we haven't been together and, and done that in a long time, so I called her, yesterday I emailed her, a little saucy email, said, hey baby, you look hot this morning. I wanted to call and email you to see what you're doing tomorrow night, see if I could take you on a date. So she and says, I'd love to go out tomorrow night. So I say, okay, be ready at this time. I'll pick you up. And I take care of the babysitting. Um, and then uh, she doesn't have to, I don't say, okay, find a babysitter. If you can find somebody, we'll go. Um, I find somebody, which is easy now because our oldest son can keep him. I just tell him he's keeping his brothers. Um, and we And we go out. One of the greatest things, and this isn't just for now, it's for legacies. Whoever marries my three boys will be, very, very fortunate women because part of their paradigm is that dad and mom go out on a date every Thursday night. And so they will marry somebody who will get taken out on a date, and they'll think that's normal. Um, and so what, again, you're, what you do now in your relationship to win at work and win at home, as we talk about win at home, is not for just winning at home tonight and today. It's winning for generations, and it's making a huge difference. So date weekly. And the third thing is depart monthly. This is the hardest one, and it's not go you know to Barton Creek at Austin or to... Um, Cape Cod or anything like that it could be just go to Brenham and go eat on the square Um, or you know go to Galveston might not want to do that right now but um, do something and get out of town it could be overnight it might be for a day but just get out of town I'm a different person as I get in the car and driving down either I-10 I-45 45 45 north something changes in me I I relax i i am um, become approachable. I'm nicer. I mean, it's all those things because all the, and, and my wife needs that from me to just shed that to where we can connect on that level. So the 3Ds are easy to remember, and some of them are, are easier than others to, to emulate. But I would just really, really encourage you as that need for uh, conversational companionship, it's a great step in that way. Okay, a third great need of a woman is significance. Um, and I gotta whiz through these. Let me give you some other uh, word other than significant. It could be the word value. Um, you, your wife needs to know that she's valued, or she's honored. Okay, is another is another way. And that what that means to honor someone is you put them before you, um, and you you let them know that she needs to know that she's valued and she has significance. The fourth thing is she needs affection, and again, that is not just physical affection. That's a great thing. Um, but it's 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 the word treasuring, and you might want to write down that word, but your wife needs to know that she's treasured and there's there's lots of ways ways to show that um affection I love affection um we 're going to talk about the five love languages next week. he brings that into this curriculum, and so my two are words of encouragement and physical touch i'm a i 'm a touchy guy, and so my problem is is um Paige thinks that always in my mind that has to move just beyond affection to to sexual touch, and it doesn't sometimes. But um, I, I, we, we do weird things to show affection for each other and to let each other know that we're thinking about each other. And so we play these games, and I brought some, um, I brought some things um, to, to show you. We, um, we started this a long, long time ago, and this is Jesus, okay? And uh, we have boys, and so we have a lot of action figures. And don't think because I'm a pastor that all we have Christian action figures, okay? We have Jesus, and we have... Moses, and then we have the Ninja Turtles and every Batman and all that kind of stuff, too. But these two guys have traveled all over the country and out of the country, actually, with us. And um, what we'll do is we will hide them in different places. Um, It sounds really stupid, um, but but what it says is, you're thinking about me. And it all started because my wife used to teach school, and she had a little student that was kind of funny-looking, and his name was Oswaldo, and we used to hide, and it was when Where's Waldo was the big deal, and so we'd play Where's Oswaldo, and we would hide his picture, and he would be all over. I mean, he went all over the place, too, but we lost Oswaldo, so we picked up Jesus instead. (laughs) So... Um, sometimes, Jesus has been in the lamp, he's got a scorched, you know, burned rubber arm, and um, sometimes his hands are up when he's happy, sometimes he's laying down, whatever, he holds pictures, he does all kinds of stuff. But that's not all we hide. We also put other stuff under um, under our pillows. We have, if, you, if you're if you married and your wife um, is like this, we have ten pillows on our bed, and they go in a certain order, and they, you know, you, you put them in the order, and some you hit in the middle, so they poof, and the other ones are flat. But anyway... So um, by the time you take off the 8th the and ninth pillow, um, then there's, there's something behind them. So we have little things like these kiss me, love me, crazy for you, you're hot. We hide those pictures of each other. Sometimes it's, a, it's kind of a suggested night, the little book of Song of Solomon. Um, we also do things like rats. We have little mice that we hide all over. And um, so we, we found a new one this week, and it's, it's been all over this week. And so I put it in her running shoe the other day when I left. And uh, she sent me a text. I was in the middle of a meeting and I picked it and it said, mouse in shoe, not funny. And so I knew that I had accomplished my goal of her knowing that I thought about her. I treasured her. I loved her and I scared her. Um, and so, as simple and goofy as that is, you have to, you have, uh, being playful is part of being, of treasuring and, and, and being an affection. So, f- affection is not just physical, leaving notes for each other. Uh, we write on the mirror with, um, I'll write on the mirror on, with lipstick, I'll leave her notes. Um, different places in her car, um, those kind of things. I send her cards in the mail. Um, it, it, it's, it's still those romantic kind of things. I used to write her notes when she was a teacher. I'd, I'd make her lunch when we first got married, and I'd write her notes. And sometimes I'd write her, like, scripture. And sometimes I'd, like, write real risque things. And we were newlyweds. So I did that one day, and her mo- she told me, my mom came to eat lunch with me today. And I said, she did? not she goes, yeah, she unpacked my lunch. She goes, she found your note. I mean, I freaked out. It was, like, probably, like, the... Wildest one i would ever written, and um, she was lying, though, so that was good, but she got me. But it, Barney, you know, if you have kids, if Barney, Barney has a little Barney bag, well, that's, that's the swigger bag, so goofy, whatever, but it's a, it's a great thing. Paige loves when I come behind her affection again, put my arms around her this way without moving my hands anywhere else on her, just hold them right there, and, um, that's a, that, and what that says to her is I'm thinking about you and gives her security that I love her and I'm not I'm I'm connecting with her in in kind of a just kind of a random a random way okay um so those are kind of the four needs probably of every woman woman on the planet there is a book called his needs her needs by um William Harley it's uh he's a he's a psychologist it's a it's a secular book but he's a I think he's a christian um but it talks about the top 5 needs of a man and the top 5 needs of a woman and those are all included in that's a great book just to kind of understand each other, again, a little better. Uh, then there's a scoring difference between men and women, and we're about to wrap up, okay? There's a scoring difference between men and women. Um, the Women uh, see, score the relationship with a man just simply on the basis of love, regardless of the size of the love, where men judge it on the size of love. So you can tell your wife you love her, and it's a point. You can take her to Hawaii, and it's a point. You can tell her the meal was good, it's a point. You can kiss her, it's a point, all those things, okay um whereas we're different, you know you do something for us that that we think it's a it's a lot of points, um but women are real real consistent in the in the way they they score with us, but the points can be lost pretty quickly okay so that's the that's one thing to to know um to understand um the last thing is that there's a personality difference. God creates each of us so intricately and interestingly and wonderfully. Um, but most of us uh, don't take the time to understand that. Um, and so if you'll look at point five on your, your outline, um, it talks uh, about, it's three pages, I think. It's this personality profile, and that's your, your homework for this week. Okay, there's a couple of sheets there. There's one for you to do, and there's one for your spouse or if you're dating someone to do. Um, and, and then there's a scoring sheet that tells you how to score it. And so for next week, take 15, 20 or 15 minutes, 15 or 20 minutes, and you do yours, she does hers, and then bring them, score them, and then next week bring them, and um, we'll talk about what to do with them. But um, personalities and how God's created us, so it's an interesting and it's a fun, fun thing to understand that. And when you understand who you are, how God's wired you, how He's gifted you, and the same thing about your, about your spouse, it makes home a lot better um, and a lot easier to, uh, to, to, to handle on that. Okay? So um, I encourage you to, uh, this week as we close, how how do you do this? I want you to uh do a little date weekly, okay? Um and if you're not dating anybody, that doesn't mean you have to go find somebody, okay? Just that just spend some time with the Lord and reflect on these things. But if you're married or you are dating, go do do the do one of the uh the three Ds, either the first one, either a date or a dialogue daily. And just sit down and quiet, maybe go to Starbucks or something and say, "Hey, tell me tell me how I'm doing on these things how do I, you know how am I doing as far as conversing with you and, and kind of knowing your world and understanding you and 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 do a little do a little system like that page I, one of the things I try to do once a month, but I don't do very well because it's really scary. I just all defensive down, I ask her, "How am I doing?" And um usually she's like, "Good, yeah, and that means, yeah, okay, what's next?" Um, And it's not bad, but I mean, it gives her a chance in a non threatening way to to tell me and say, you know what, these are some things you're doing really good, and then these are some things that, you know, you need to shore up on a little bit, okay? Whether it's being angry or being short with the kids or um, not interacting or whatever, okay? And I don't use it as, okay, here's my list, so I'm going to ask her, so she'll tell me, and and then hopefully she'll go, well, what about me? And I'll go, well, Here's a few you know, we don't I, I don't do that. I don't ever go. Well, let me tell you how you're doing unless she asks and it's not a thing I've thought through ready to use my ammunition. So, uh winning at home, guys, women are a mysterious deal and they are incredible, incredible gifts of God. And so, be a student of of your of your lady and um and don't wish away and be frustrated with the uniqueness um that that God has gifted her with, okay? Let me pray, and then I think y'all do your small groups. Is that right, Eric? Okay, great. Lord, thanks again for today. Thanks for your word. Um, just even a short scripture we looked at today, Lord, in First Peter. Lord, thank you for reminding us to, to live in an understanding way. Lord, help us to seek to understand as we seek to be understood. Um, Lord, thanks for this this group of men who that's exactly what they're trying to do. Lord, they're trying to understand who they are in Jesus and what you want to do in their lives, in their relationships, at work and at home. And so, Lord, would you um, bless this this next few minutes as they work through some of these questions around their tables. Lord, would you cause connections to happen with them, Lord, so iron can sharpen iron, as your word says. And we can be better husbands and we can be better co-workers and bosses and um, subordinates and, and workers and friends. And, uh, Lord, may we Um, glorify you today by treasuring our wives and um, our girlfriends, Lord, the way that you would want us to. And uh, we pray that you would give us opportunities this week and again even today to die to ourselves so that we may live. And thank you, Jesus, that you
0: are life. In your name we pray. Amen.